0: Now let's listen to a great program. I am delighted to be able to introduce Kathy McGinnis. Kathy was the founding coordinator of the West St. Tammany Chapter of Magnificat, just north of New Orleans, and is currently serving as an associate of the Magnificat Central Service Team, wife, mother, and grandmother. She was caretaker to her father-in-law, a stroke victim, for 24 years and is now caretaker for her 95-year-old mother. Kathy suffered from severe allergies, which went undiagnosed for 30 years. While that was a very difficult time, she received from the Lord many graces and blessings. And in 1999, she was miraculously healed when Sister Breesha McKenna prayed for her. It is my pleasure and privilege to introduce Kathy McGinnis
1: God is good all the time all the time God is good amen we've been through a whole lot in New Orleans and I wasn't going to share anything but I know um, Annette's been bugging me she said people want to know all I can tell you is there is nothing beautiful left in New Orleans There's nothing beautiful left. Pray for the people there. They've lost so much. So many people have lost everything. It's a very sad situation. But, you know, the Lord brings everything to good. And I really believe, and I have to believe, that even in this, there is tremendous good. And with the wonderful people who have come from all over the United States and the donations coming from all over the world, not to mention Ethiopia sending a donation to New Orleans when we used to send donations to Ethiopia. God is amazing, isn't he? It has been a struggle for everyone. We have been very, very blessed in our area. I'm 50 miles north of New Orleans. So we had just roof damage and trees down and things like that. But praise God, we did not have any damage to our home that was detrimental, you know, really destructive. Before the storm came, I went out, hoping my neighbors wouldn't see me, but I I went out with blessed salt, and I put the blessed salt all around the perimeters of my home, and I I prayed the whole time that nothing would fall across that barrier, because we had trees all around. We had gorgeous trees, and nothing touched our home. We had, we lost six beautiful, gorgeous oak trees, roots and all, everything went over, Pine trees cracked in half, uh, just unbelievable destruction. But nothing touched our home, and I I just I felt a total calm, knowing that, you know, the prayers were there. I had put my holy candles, my blessed candles, on in the house. I had two of them. My husband said, "This is serious when you have two of them." (laughs) And um, the Lord was good. The Lord was good. Um, Pray for those people who have lost everything. I know many, many people in New Orleans. Uh, and in St. Bernard Parish, who have lost literally literally everything. And I do believe their houses are going to be bulldozed. Uh, and I don't even know if they can find out where their properties are at this point. But the Lord, he said, if you suffer, know that it's for my glory and for your, for, uh, your sanctification. And, and that is always the case. There is, like the phoenix rising out of the ashes, there's always something good that comes out of, out of trouble. That's part of my testimony also. Um, We can thank God for all the things that happen in our lives, whether they're good or whether they're bad in our own minds, because the Lord can bring everything to good. So keep those people in your prayers, because they have been through so much. I was asking the Lord what did he want as the theme for my testimony this time. And he didn't tell me a thing for a while, and then woke me up two mornings ago, with the word Thanksgiving. And I thought, why didn't I think of that? But he's God. We're in, we're in the season of Thanksgiving, so this is it. It's all about Thanksgiving. Everything in my life that has happened, I can give him thanks. Whether it seemed good at the time or it wasn't, I can give him thanks. And now I've found a way that I can give him thanks in advance for what will happen in my life. Let me tell you how this all came about. You know, it's St. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, in case anybody's taking notes. Um, In all circumstances give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. For all, in all circumstances. Not just the good circumstances, in all. All circumstances. And I have come to find out that all things come to good for those who who love the Lord. It's true. These words in the Bible are there, and sometimes we look at them and we think, well those are nice. That sounds nice. But it's all true. And I've found that getting a little bit older, I have the advantage of being able to look back over my life over many years and I can see how these words have been played out in my life. That I can thank him for everything. Um, So I praise God for that knowledge. And I praise God for the years that he's given me so I can see these things. I couldn't see those things when I was younger. Let me tell you how I got to this point of praising him and thanking him for everything. First of all, I echo what our Blessed Mother said in her Magnificat. The Lord has done great things for me, And holy is his name. Anything that has been accomplished in my life is because of his grace working in me. I was raised in Metairie, Louisiana, which some people here may know. Uh, It's a suburb of New Orleans. In a suburb, um, a small town, very small town when I was a kid. uh, In a middle class family. We didn't have a lot, but we had everything we needed. God always provided it was a very fa- uh, stable family life, a very happy family. My mother is here with us, and uh, she was the wonderful head of the household. A Catholic family, good Catholic family. Um, we went to mass every Sunday. Met, went to the missions uh, that were given by our church. My mother was one who lived her faith, and still does. She really puts it, you know, in her li- into her life. My father, the best recollection I have of him. Uh, he's deceased now, uh, was he knelt down next to his bed every night and said his prayers. What a beautiful image that was for me to see. So my Catholic faith meant a lot to me. I went to Catholic high schools, uh, Catholic grammar school and Catholic high school and was taught by the Sisters of Mercy. And the Sisters of Mercy um, gave us wonderful, solid Catholic background. So I I knew my faith and I lived my faith and it was very important to me. But being a good Catholic girl, living in a Catholic, very unlike the area here, New Orleans is extremely Catholic. It's rare to find someone who's not Catholic there. Um, I was sure, absolutely sure, that I was going to marry a Catholic. There was no doubt in my mind that I would marry anyone who was non-Catholic. So I only dated Catholic boys. And every now and then, I would date a non-Catholic. And... I knew that I wouldn't be dating that person for very long. Well, the Lord had a different idea because Ron McInnes came along. He came to New Orleans from Boston to come to uh, Tulane University. And uh, when he came along, I forgot about the fact that I was gonna marry a Catholic. <laughs> I had just just left my head. So we dated for a year off and on And we knew that our relationship was very special and that one day we would be married. So we um, looked forward to the day when we would be married, but we knew that we couldn't be married until Ron graduated from college because his parents told him that they would support him through college as long as he was not married. So, in those days, we waited until until, uh, Ron got out of college. Well, we we um, decided on the three days after his uh, graduation that we would be married. That was our wedding date that we set. Well, the priest who prepared us for marriage um, was talking to Ron one night about the implications of marrying a Catholic. And, you know, that he would have to raise his children Catholic and that natural family planning was important. And so Ron and I had already talked about that. That was important to me. And I wouldn't have married him otherwise if he hadn't agreed to that in advance. But Ron must have gotten the feeling that uh, this priest was trying to convert him. And so Ron said to the priest, in those uncertain terms, I don't ever intend to become a Catholic. And the priest replied, what makes you think we'd want you? He really said that. But they both had good senses of humor, and that put Ron at ease. So Ron felt good about that. Well, Ron and I were married three days after his uh, his graduation from college. Uh, we were very happy, and within four years, we had two little boys, two wonderful little boys. Um, I loved being a wife and mother, and uh, it was kind of busy with these two little guys running around. And I have to tell you that I longed for the day when I would have both of my children in school all day, you got it, in school all day, so that I could, my dream was, I'd join a tennis league, and I would play tennis, and I would just while my hours away playing tennis while the kids were in school. And uh, guess what? That day finally came. But the Lord had another plan for me. His plan was very different from my tennis plans. You see, the day before our two sons were in school all day was the day that Ron's father came to live with us. Ron's father had had a very serious stroke. He was living in Florida. And um, his his doctors told us to make funeral arrangements for him because he was not going to live for long. But Dad started responding to the therapy they were giving him in the hospital, and he proved them wrong. He lived So we decided we had to get him to New Orleans, and we we air-ambulanced him to New Orleans, um, so that he could be rehabilitated enough to go into a nursing home. This was our, our thought. Well, Dad worked diligently, and his doctor was so impressed with his progress that he said he called us one night, the doctor did, and he prevailed upon us to take Ron's dad in our home for the last few remaining years that he would have to live well, we decided that we would do that, and we moved Dad in for, uh, into our home the night before our two sons went to school all day. For the next 14 years, <laughs> my father-in-law and I were constant companions. I was his sole caregiver. Um, Ron helped at night, but of course he was working in their day. Um, Dad moved in, we moved Dad in with a hospital bed, a wheelchair, leg brace, cane, we had therapists coming in several days a week, we had a nurse's aide who came in a couple of times, but then those services cut off after a while, after about six weeks, and then I was on my own. So Dad and I were constant companions for the, uh, the next 14 years. Well, Dad was a permanent part of our family. And a lot of my time, of course, was devoted to him. He was very much impaired. Um, But the Lord blessed us tremendously during those years. And that's why I say you can thank God for everything in your life. You know, God can't be outdone in generosity. We were generously giving our time to Ron's dad. And God was giving us back so much. One of the blessings was a marriage encounter weekend that Ron and I went on. We went on that weekend kicking and screaming because we didn't feel we needed that. We had a good marriage. And our friends who had gone on a marriage encounter weekend came back so excited that they decided that we had to go on one. We were not interested at all, but they wouldn't let up. So we finally went just to appease them. We went on the, win- on the marriage encounter weekend Um, It was a very hard weekend for us because we had not talked about the differences in our religion. Uh, Remember what Ron had said to the priest. He didn't ever intend to become a Catholic, so I went very easy on Ron, didn't push my faith on him. We respected each other's beliefs, and we left it at that. But on this Marriage Encounter weekend, um, we kind of had a talk about those things, and it was difficult. The only good thing I remember about the Marriage Encounter weekend... And I have to tell you, everybody else on the weekend looked like it was a wonderful weekend. It was, everybody was having a great time, but this, we were the only ones. Maybe we were smiling, making people think we were having a good time. I'm not sure. <laughs> but the only thing I can remember that was good about the weekend for us was that we, um, at the end there was the renewal of wedding vows. And that was very meaningful to us. One of the things that the couples did at, I mean, the last part of the weekend was they went, the uh, team couples went traipsing around, you know, tiptoeing around, asking everybody if they wanted a window sticker, a marriage encounter sticker for our, your car, when everybody was gleefully taking one. And they came to us and they asked, would you like a marriage encounter sticker for your car? And Ron said, no, <laughs> just no. Well, that's the kind of weekend we had. But did I say that you could thank God for everything? And that this is uh, something we can thank God for, too. Ron and I went home after that weekend, put our kids to bed, and we stayed up till 2 o'clock in the morning. And we talked about how difficult the weekend was for it, because it was extremely difficult. Um, We uh, talked about how it really put us on the spot. And... Ron then, we stayed up till 2 in the morning, so we had a lot of time talking. Ron started saying things like, you know, that was the most powerful weekend I've ever been on. And most, what did he say, it was the most positive weekend he had ever been on. And that he was really impressed with the team couples, and that they would put aside a whole weekend of their lives just for us. And I'm hearing these things, and all this, you know, it's his changing attitude was, was just amazing me. And he said, whatever those team couples have, that's what I want. And I was just astonished. Well, we called our friends, who we had told it was a horrible weekend, and <laughs> told them it was a wonderful weekend. They rushed over to our house, and guess what they brought to us as a little gift? A marriage encounter sticker for our car. <laughs> which we promptly installed on the car window, and we had one on car windows for the next 10 years. Well, we were so grateful to Marriage Encounter. Um, Two weeks later, Ron decided he wanted to become a Catholic. He wanted to become a Catholic. So Ron took instructions through a priest who was with Marriage Encounter, and in three months' time, he was baptized, received his first communion, and was confirmed. And what a joy that was for our marriage, you know, for me. Um, God is so good. So I tell you, you can thank God for everything. There is good that comes from everything that happens in your life, isn't that true, Carolyn? For the next ten years, we worked in marriage encounter programs. Um, We 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 held circle meetings in our home. We went to community nights. We did all sorts of pulpit presentations at churches around the the, uh, country, around the area. Um, We put on evenings for couples, evenings for parents, evenings for families, evenings for engaged. We worked with engaged couples for seven years preparing them for marriage. And that was all really good. We met such wonderful people through Marriage Encounter. Uh, our parish was alive, it was so alive. But after 10 years in Marriage Encounter, my spirit started becoming um, restless, I guess. I knew there was more and I wanted it, but I didn't know what it was or where I'd find it. Well, it was one of those weekends you know, those Thanksgiving weekends when uh, the football games are on and they're droning on and on and on, and there were like thousands of football game- games on that weekend. Well, I was about up to here with the football, and um, you see, I was the only female in my house. I had two sons, a husband, a father-in-law, and even the cat was a male. <laughs> so I was, I was greatly outnumbered. I couldn't get them to turn off a football game, that's for sure. So I decided I was going to leave the house, and I did. Um, I left for a while, and I went to uh, the, the mall, the local shopping mall. And I ended up in a secular bookstore, and there was a book on the shelf that said, Inner Healing, by Father Francis McNutt. And I thought, well, you know, maybe that's what I need. I need some inner healing. I'm not sure what I need, but but the book seemed to jump out at me. Well, I read that book, and I was really introduced or reintroduced to the workings of the Holy Spirit. And... That just opened up my, my soul and just said, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm looking for. So I started going to prayer meetings. Uh, charismatic renewal was just happening during that time, just beginning. Uh, so I'd go to charismatic prayer meetings. Um, I, as a matter of fact, Magnificat started right around that time also. Uh, so I w- went to the Magnificat gatherings in Metairie in the very beginning. Um, Everything I could find. I went, I went to a GLOW meetings. Uh, that was really what introduced me um, to, magnif- um, to um, the Holy Spirit. It was just beautiful. It was a time of growing, a time of, of knowing that my search was almost ended. I, I knew that I had found what I was looking for. I was encouraged to go on a Life in the Spirit seminar, and I know that you have those here, don't you? I'm glad to see you have those. Um, I went on the Life in the Spirit seminar, and it was just incredibly beautiful, uh, it teaches you so much about the Holy Spirit, and I learned so much, and really started growing. My spirit started opening up. Uh, I would start reading the Bible. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you know, nothing happened to me after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. I didn't feel a thing. I thought I would be zapped, you know, that the Lord like st. Paul or something, but nothing happened, and I was a little disappointed. But you know, looking back on it, I can see that's where I started reading the Bible. Um, reading inspirational books, you know, uh, learning about my, more about my faith, attending every Bible study I could. I just couldn't get enough of, of Jesus, and I couldn't get enough of his church, and I couldn't get enough of the Holy Spirit. I had to know. Um, and my spirit was just opening up. It was like a flower that was finally blooming. It was a beautiful time, a beautiful time. So this was a blessing, I really feel, during the time that we were taking care of my father-in-law. It's another blessing in my life. Another blessing was an extraordinary retreat that I attended, and this retreat was given by a priest who was kind of unlikely. He, he was um, a, what we call the motorcycle priest. He came in on a motorcycle. He was from Texas, and he had like a 10-gallon hat, and he had his boots. But one of the things that he had us do on that weekend was so memorable and has changed my life. Um, He gave us this little prayer that everybody has at their table. It's called the Prayer of Abandonment. And a lot of you probably already know it. Um, Charles D. Foucault was canonized this past year. I can't remember the date, because the date was changed because I think the Holy Father had passed away. Um, But this little prayer, the Prayer of Abandonment, really changed my life. Uh, I'm telling you, you can thank God for everything. The priest said, what we're going to do on this uh, weekend is I'm going to give you 10 minutes to read this prayer over silently and prayerfully, and what I want you to do after the 10 minutes is to, we're going to all pray the prayer together, but any words that you can't agree with, or that you can't live, don't say those words. So I started looking over the prayer, and I'm, you know, I was growing in holiness, but I was not there. And I'm still growing. So the first line is, Father, I abandon myself to you. And I'm thinking, I don't think so. (laughs) I'm not sure. Do with me whatever you will. And I'm thinking, I don't think I could say that. Uh, Because suppose the Lord would tell me, you know, want me to do something I wouldn't want to do. Whatever you do, I will always thank you. I'm saying, no, I don't think I could thank God for everything. In those days, I just didn't have the insight to, to see this. I'm ready for all, I knew I wasn't ready for all, I accept all, no way. I discarded practically the whole prayer. The second part of the prayer was pretty good, that was good. Um, But the first part I I couldn't handle. But 10 minutes is a long time, and this is a small prayer, so I went over the prayer like in a minute and discarded the whole thing. Well, I had nine more minutes. (laughs) So I went over the prayer again. And I started thinking, okay, Father, I abandon myself to you. Do with me whatever you will. And I'm thinking, your will. I think I've heard that before. Like, your will be done, or, you know, the Our Father, I think it says your will. And I guess I've, usually it was thy will rather than my will. I said, well, you know, if I don't agree to this prayer, what am I saying? I may as well change the words to the Our Father. You know, my will be done. And I guess that's where I was. Um... So I finally worked my way through this prayer, and finally at the end I realized that, you know, I had to let God take over my life. I mean, he's the one that has the big picture, he's God, I'm not. And I've been running my, my life myself for many, many years, and I thought maybe somebody could do a better job. So I decided that I would agree to all the words of this prayer, that I would live all the words of this prayer. And so when the 10 minutes was over, I prayed this prayer every word, every word. And it's not one of those things that you commit to. I mean, you don't do it once because every day you have to recommit your life to Jesus and abandon your life to God. So this prayer was an extraordinary gift to me because now I could just let go of my life and just let God take over. And it's such a freedom. You know, at first I thought it was like jumping off of a cliff and hoping somebody's going to catch you. But the Lord did catch me and and I know that he he wants to run our lives. He wants to be there for us. He wants to guide us. And this is what I decided, I would let him do. So I thank God for that retreat and these wonderful times still caring for our father and my father-in-law. Another blessing. Um, I read some words of Mother Teresa, who is so inspiring and so usually so up there, but this really spoke to me. She said, give yourself fully to God, and he will use you to accomplish great things on the condition that you believe more in his love than in your own weakness, that he will accomplish great things if you give your life to him. That's an extraordinary thing. And he will accomplish what he wants to accomplish, not what we want to accomplish. And that's, that's the, the important part. Another blessing in my life came in the form of daily Mass. Um, what I, I, I found that I, it was getting more and more difficult caring for Dad, and I really needed help. You know, I needed someone, needed God's help. So I started res- uh, going to Mass every day and receiving the Eucharist every day, and what a tremendous blessing that was. I don't think I would have made it through those years without that. What I would do is I would dress Dad, feed him, put him in his chair, um, give him his his crossword puzzle book, and his pen, and the the TV remote, and he was set. I would say, Dad, I'm going to Mass, I'll be back, don't move, Uh, you know, I'll be back in a half hour. So off I'd go to Mass, and that's what really kept me going. So caring for Dad was becoming extremely difficult. And um, you know, the Lord said, "Come to me, all you who are weary, and find life burdensome, and I will give you rest." And I needed that rest because it was really difficult taking care of Dad. It was in the 13th year of caring for him that I came to the extraordinary knowledge that when I was taking care of my father-in-law, that I was really caring for Jesus. And this is not just a, a, a simple little thing that you read in a book. This is something that struck me and said, you know, Jesus is in your home, and you're caring for him. And this lightened my load tremendously. And I thought to the Lord, why didn't you tell this to me before? Why didn't I know this before? It would have been so much easier. So now I ask the Lord in advance when things are difficult. I say, Lord, if you have a lesson for me, please tell me, tell me now. Tell me now. I guess you have to work your way through it. Like my spiritual director from New Orleans used to say, it takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime. I mean, they're going to put that in his tombstone. It takes a lifetime. (laughs) But it's true. You know, it's in God's time. Everything's in God's time. So I was taking care of Jesus now in my home. And it was much, much easier that way. But there did come a time when my father-in-law was was so incapacitated that it required 24-hour day service. And I knew I couldn't do that, and we weren't going to turn our home into a, a hospital. So we decided we were going to put him into a, a good nursing home. So we found a good nursing home uh, in New Orleans. It was a Chateau de Notre Dame, which is the house of Our Lady. And um, it was a Catholic, hus- a Catholic um, nursing home. A wonderful place, beautiful nuns who were so precious, and they were so loving to him. My father-in-law had never been baptized. I didn't even realize that. He had had no faith, never been baptized. And so he's in this Catholic nursing home. And the only thing to really do there, the only major social, social part of the day, was there was a chapel there, and the priest would say Mass every day. So he insisted he wanted to be wheeled down downstairs to, to watch the Mass, to watch the Mass. And he did this every day. This was like his social outing for the day. Well, e- every day he would ask... The nuns. Okay, why did the priest do that? And what is that? And why is that candle there? And, and you know, what, all the different things he wanted to know. Five years after he went into that nursing home, he decided he wanted to become a Catholic. And he thought at first that he was too old to become a Catholic. And I said, oh, no, I don't think there's any, any age limit on becoming a Catholic. So we just prepared him. The, the priest and I prepared him. And he, uh, he was 80, 89 years old at the time. And um, what a blessing that was. I mean, it was extraordinary. I didn't realize he had never been even baptized because we never talked about that. But it was a tremendous grace in his life and a tremendous grace in our lives. For the next five years, Dad um, went to Mass every single day and received Jesus in the Eucharist every single day. And it was the joy of his life. The last five years of his life, God blessed him this way. He, he was just, I, I can't tell you, he, he was in really um, infused with knowledge of Jesus. On his, the day he was going to be baptized, um, we had him all dressed up. And usually in a nursing home, people are not dressed up. And the nurse's aides came around him and they said, Oh, Mr. McInnes, you look so, uh, you're so dressed up. You look like you're going to a wedding. And he said, I am going to a wedding. I'm marrying Jesus today. Nobody ever said that to him. I tell you, he was infused with, with knowledge. So after this After um, dad was out of our home, uh, I was more able to take care of myself, which I hadn't done for a while, because I really didn't have the time. Um, I had been experiencing uh, some major intestinal problems for many years, and I didn't really have time. I, I would go to doctors you know, for checkups, and, and they would say, well, there's nothing wrong with you. And so, you know, I still had these problems for like 30 years. And um, I finally found a doctor who had some idea of what I had. And so she took some blood tests and, and did a few things. And she said, what I had was candesis, which is a condition, it's a yeast in, a co- in my colon. And it was causing my immune system to be uh, overtaxed. And it was also causing um, a lot of food allergies. So I was having major, major problems. But she said that the only thing that could help me was a change, a drastic change in my diet, and also a a medication that she put me on for six weeks. Well, I lost 38 pounds in in eight weeks, and I was like bone thin. I was very, very thin. So I had a drastic change in my diet, could eat almost nothing. Um, This condition can't be healed or can't be cured, you have to live with it. And so whatever you're allergic to and the major things that, uh, the, that grow the candesis, which you don't want, the, candy, you know, the, the yeast, you don't want to put that into your system. So uh, there were many, many things that I could not eat. So between the, um, the allergies and the candesis, I have, I'll have to read this part. I, I could have no sugar and nothing with sugar, no caffeine, no fruit, no salt, no dairy products, no yeast, no alcohol, no vinegar, no white flour, no soy sauce, and no foods containing anything that, you know, containing these things. Um, I couldn't eat meat anymore because my throat would close up. I was allergic to many foods and many specific foods and many categories of foods. And so, between all of those things, there was very, very little that I could eat. For the next eight years, I existed on, for breakfast, oatmeal, the old-fashioned oats that had no salt in them, with only made with water and with a few almonds, just for crunch (laughs) and for calcium. For lunch, I had a salad, but this salad consisted only of raw vegetables and a salad dressing of lemon juice and olive oil. I couldn't put anything else on it. Supper was always steamed vegetables. They had to be fresh vegetables with olive oil, and that's it. I baked a bread that people used to call my brownies, which they didn't taste anything like brownies. Uh, it was with whole wheat flour, some oats, uh, a tiny bit of butter, because I was really allergic to dairy products, and some water. And it was like a, an unleavened bread, and it was hard, like, it was like a rock. But um, you know, it, it was the only bread I could eat. Um, as long as I stayed on this, this really restricted diet, I had lots of energy, which was unusual for this condition, but I had lots of energy, and I had few symptoms. But if I deviated at all, I would suffer. And I would suffer intestinal distress, extreme intestinal distress. Hives that would last for about 10 days. For instance, if I would eat one sesame seed, I would have hives for 10 days. It was very, very painful. Um, hay fever sinus, aches in my joints and my bones, I mean my joints and my muscles, I'd have swelling of my eyelids and mental confusion. (laughs) Mental confusion, I do that sometimes anyway, but. uh, (laughs) But my eyelids would swell. You've seen frogs, right? Okay, that's what I looked like, like a frog. The eyelids would just really swell. Um, And because your skin is very tender, they would split. The eyelids would, would have a little tear in them. Not all the way through, of course, but the skin would tear. And it would take or oh, at least a week for that to heal. But, but to, during that time that it was healing, it would become, the skin would become like leather, like just so tight that if I inadvertently rubbed my eyelid or if I tried to close my eyelid all the way when I was sleeping, it would split and, and again another week. And, you know, at times I could have felt really sorry for myself, but I couldn't cry because my tears had salt in them. You know naturally you, you have natural salt in your body and that would just it would just burn the heck out of those out of those um, those slits I also had little splits on the side of my eyelids too um, you, you're shaking your head like you know about this maybe yeah okay um, I'm finding out a lot more people but a lot of people who have this so I mean I had to be very very careful Ron and I during this time as you'd know it um, we, uh, we had to entertain a lot of people and we lived in the city of New Orleans and we were taking people out to Commander's Palace and all these Antoine's and all these wonderful restaurants. They were taking us out. Wonderful New Orleans food. I could not eat a thing. I would eat at home and I would go and sit uh, and sometimes I would ask if they had some, some vegetables in the kitchen. Well, these places are not known for just plain vegetables. And what would usually happen is... They would send me, put, bring me out a little plate of maybe a couple of pieces of broccoli, thinking I was on a diet, and that's the reason I didn't want any food. And I could have eaten a whole plate. What Usually what I had was a plate of steamed vegetables every night, just trying to keep my weight up. So these were real tough eight years. But did I say you could thank God for everything? Okay, I did. Well, I started begging people for prayers, because at one point what happened to me after eight years of this diet, I became allergic to those things, those only few things that I was eating. If you eat something for too much time, you, become, you can become allergic to it. So I became allergic to those things also, the only few things I still could eat. And so I was kind of down to like nothing that wouldn't cause a problem. And I said, Lord, you know, uh, where do we go from here? This is, this is, I'm putting this in your ballpark now because I don't know what to do. I've been taking care of my diet. Uh, I've done the best I can. I'm finished. I said, uh, you know, you have to help me here. So I started begging everybody. I said, you've got to pray for me because I don't know what I'm going to do. I was really very, very thin. Uh, still had a lot of energy, but I was very, very thin. Well, my team was praying for me. I had um, the West St. Tammany chapter uh, I was working with. The central service team was praying for me, Father Cohen told Marilyn, the the, uh, coordinator, that every time that they would meet, they had to pray for me, uh, and she was very diligent about that. My mother was praying for me, and she said, she kept telling the Lord, she has a great relationship with the Lord, she said, I'm not going to stop praying for her to be healed until you heal her. (laughs) That's it. So. So I knew that one of these days, I would be healed. But I didn't know when. And there wasn't going to be much time left, I didn't think, if it kept going this way. So there was a wonderful retreat coming up. It was a charismatic renewal retreat uh, in New Orleans. And Sister Breeze McKenna was going to be there. Now, are a lot of people here familiar with Sister Breeze McKenna? Does anybody know her? Okay, raise your hand if you know Sister Breeze. Okay, a lot of you do. Sister Briege is an Irish nun who has the gift of healing. The Lord told her on, those, on certain terms she has the gift of healing, and she does. Um, she prays with people. She prays with bishops. She prays with heads of, of um, states, head of state um, of all kinds of countries. She's, um, everywhere she goes, um, she has thousands upon thousands of people who come just to, to receive Jesus' healing through her prayer. And so, she was going to be at this uh, conference, this, uh, it was charismatic conference. So, I figured, okay, well, this is my opportunity, Sister Briege, I'll have Sister Briege pray over me, she's right in my area, and I'm going to go to the conference. So, I signed up for the conference, and then I looked at my calendar, which I guess I should have looked at the calendar first, but I had a, um, a wedding that we had to go to in Memphis, and it was one of those family things where you really couldn't get out of it, so, um, I was very disappointed because I figured this was this was the time I was going to be healed, um, because I, I needed to be healed. There was no other way out. So um, I told you we well, can thank God for everything, right? In and in everything. Well, I got a phone call on Sunday night, the night after when I came home from the uh, the wedding, and. It was Marilyn Quirk, who was my coordinator for the central service team, and she said, Kathy, could you help me to transport some of the speakers uh, from, who spoke at the charismatic conference over to a mass that Father Cohen was going to say for them at Loyola University in New Orleans? So I said, sure. She said, well, meet me at the, ho- the hotel the next morning, and um, we can divvy up the speakers with the drivers. And so I go to the hotel, and she says, um, well, Kathy, she said... Uh, I want you to, all these people, you get this one, you get that one. Kathy, why don't you take Sister Breeze? Why don't you take Sister Breeze McKenna in your car? So, Sister Breeze is in my car. I'm driving 55 miles an hour through New Orleans on the Interstate Highway. And Sister Breeze says, You know, Marilyn's been telling me about your allergies. And she said, no, you've been in my prayers. I said, well, thank you. And she said, I only know of one priest, I mean, of one person in the world that she talked to anyway, who had the same problems you have, these allergies, worse than you. And she said, this priest has allergies worse than yours. And he said, he's even allergic to his own clothes. He said, I was allergic to every chemical also, and I was allergic to cosmetics. I was allergic to the world. Um, so he was allergic to everything plus his own clothing. Well, I mean, thank you, Lord. You can always thank God for something, right? Thank you, Lord, I'm not allergic to my own clothing. So Sister Breeze says, Well, Kathy, do you mind if I pray over you? And I'm sitting in my car driving 55 miles an hour in through the city of New Orleans, and Sister Breeze puts simply puts her hand on my shoulder, and she says, Jesus, please heal Kathy's throat, her esophagus, her, um, her stomach, her intestines, and her colon. And with that... I had this wonderful heat going down through me, and I knew I was healed. I was miraculously healed in a moment, driving on the interstate highway in New Orleans. Of all of my allergies, I applaud, too. God is so good. Wow. The prophet Jeremiah said, I know well the plans I have for you, plans for your well-being and not for woe. Plans to give you a future full of hope. Well, you know, I would have wondered when I was starving to death, if you will, whether or not I had a future full of hope. But I do have a future full of hope, and God has restored me. It's the most awesome thing to to know that God can reach down to his people and just touch an individual. I never imagined that I would be healed. I didn't even pray for that. I was just too busy trying to do it on my own. But when I really needed his help, I came and asked him. And, you know, you can be—God can't be outdone in generosity. He is just so awesome that he wants everybody to come to him with what they need, for what they need. And he will restore our lot. He really will. He will restore us. So looking back over my life, I see that I can abandon myself to God, just like that prayer said— And I can thank him for everything in my life. And now I even thank him in advance for what he's going to do through whatever cross or suffering he he allows in my life. Because I know that he's going to bring good out of it. All things come to good for those who love the Lord. And that is a true statement. That's from the Bible. That's from God himself, Jesus himself. And so I'm so grateful to him for his love for me. And I'm so grateful to you for listening to me. And let's all thank God. But I want to do something now for each of you. The prayer of abandonment um, was something that was very important to me and really changed my life. And I would like to give you the opportunity. This may be the only time you'll ever get this opportunity to, to abandon your life to Jesus. Many of you have already done that. I know that but it really is something. It's an ongoing thing because so many times we say we abandon our lives to Jesus and then we take it back. We say, okay, Lord, I'm giving you that that problem and then you start worrying about it again and that's taking it back, you know. So I'm going to give you the, the chance. You have at your place the card, the prayer of abandonment. Father, I abandon myself to you. Do with me whatever you will. Whatever you may do, I shall always thank you. I am ready for all, I accept all, let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. No more do I wish than this, O Lord. Into your hands I commend my soul, I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, Lord, and so need to give myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence, for you are my Father. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks
0: Thanks so much for listening to this Magnificat podcast. Have you been touched by our time together? If so, for more information or to find a Magnificat chapter near you, go to our website at magnificat-ministry.org or visit us on social media. We would love to hear from you. You can also email us at MagnificatCST at AOL.com or call 504-828-MARY, M-A-R-Y. Until the next time, may God bless you.